few things that come to my mind. One is, you know, how readily we take for granted these precious things. So many things about Christmas that are, we love our kids, don't we? Christmas that's just, there's some of you, but we're a family here, so we are all collectively invested in their lives, in, in their well-being, in their spiritual life, in, in them knowing Jesus, and I'm so thankful for those who are pouring into them uh, right now and for the way that God is using them. I'm so thankful for uh, each one that could be out. Uh, we miss the rest. It's usually a much bigger crowd uh, up here on stage, but man, it's, it's cool to have them up here and, and all that they brought today. It's one of the ways that we celebrate Christmas, and we value being together. We value family. We value uh, the way that God blesses us through our kids. So I just want to mention again, because of that, we have taken um, some, some serious thought and, and done some work on creating a Christmas Eve service that we can all be at, which is going to be in our back parking lot outside uh, with plenty of space. Uh, it's going to be a short one so that we can come together as families. It's probably less than a half hour. Uh, it's going to be Christmas carols. It's going to be reading scripture. It's going to be candle lighting and glow sticks for the little ones. Uh, it's going to be just a short time and hopefully a dry and not too cold time for us to be together. And we would love for you to join us. There's plenty of room to space out. You can wear a mask if you want, but since we're outside, you certainly don't need to. Um, but we are going to have a good time celebrating, singing, focusing on why we celebrate all of this. And I think it's one of those things that we do best together as a church family, recentering and, and refocusing all of this on why it's such a big deal. Because it's so easy to lose it, isn't it? And I think for kids especially, what we talk about, we, we have an understanding down deep in our soul about what all this is about, but we have to talk about it out loud again and again. It's one of those ways for us as, as a church family and for us as homes and families to, to, to talk about why it matters and what this is all about. So we'd love to have you join us, and we're so glad that you joined us today. Being a kid can be rough, though. Even though it's a lot of fun, and some of us wish we were a kid again, some of us still kind of are kids, uh, being a kid can be rough because you can kind of feel like there, there's, there's, there's all this stuff you don't know that adults know. Has anybody ever said, man, I just can't, when you were a kid, I just can't wait till I grow up. Anybody ever say that? Now it's come back to bite you, right? I can't wait till I grow up. And what, what was that feeling when you were a kid? It was a feeling of there's so much more to this world and, and I can't wait to be somebody that I can do what I want to do and nobody can tell me what to do. Someone who knows what's going on and makes the rules. We feel very, very left out. I mean, adults know a lot of things. Think about it. When you're a kid, you get in a car, you don't have no idea where you're going or how to get there. Somehow, adults know how to go to grandma's house or go to the store or wherever we're supposed to go. Adults know how to make food. They know what kind of food we have. They know what's poisonous and what's not poisonous. They know the deal with Santa, you know, which is a huge mystery when you're a kid. What's going on with all of that? And so a lot of it can feel like you're on the outside looking in. But then you grow up and you start to learn what really being an outsider is, don't you? We start to come up with all these rules as they, as they get older about who is in and who is out. Groups form and somehow have the authority to tell others, you fit in, you don't fit in. Have you ever been on the receiving end of that? They can find themselves easily being left out. And so I think there's this experience about Christmas that's a warm, welcoming picture and yet 
a lot of times people feel like outsiders. And what I want to say today in the, the few minutes that we have left is just this. Christmas is for outsiders. And I hope to show you that through the Christmas story. The reality for us is we all probably are more familiar than we want to be with what it means to be an outsider. Someone who's on the outside looking in. And if you feel like that long enough and often enough and deeply enough, it can wilt your soul, can it? If you are someone who feels like you are left out because the longing for belonging is something that is inherent in our existence from the very beginning. And if you have that longing for belonging, but you can never seem to find it, it can really, really bring damage to your life. Today's trend I've kind of noticed is more that we present ourselves as, as lonely people, as, as kind of dark, um, complicated, misunderstood people, and we, we present ourselves that way. Uh, we call ourselves strange. We call ourselves weird before anyone else can. And then we manage how close people can get to us by using technology as a buffer. Because we're so aware of the pain of being an outsider that we kind of manage it. I, I just don't want anybody to have that verdict on me. So I will present myself in a certain way so that you can't call me an outsider. And if I'm worried that you will, I'll call myself an outsider before you do. Some people alternate between isolating and just shutting people out and then limited connection to, to manage that risk. Some people jump from one platform to another or, or one profile to another to manage all of that. But the reality behind all of this, and I think it, it, the, statistics, the statistics show we are more lonely than we ever have been in all the time that we've been studying this. We are longing to belong. Every single person that you will look at this week longs to belong. Every single child up here will grow up longing to belong. That is a universal need that you cannot turn off no matter how you do it. But because that, that belonging is so dangerous, we kind of get afraid that we will never find enough belonging. We will never find the right group to belong to. So we look for people who are like us, but then we become very aware of the differences and, oh, you're not like me. Or we look for people who like us, but we wonder, do you really like me? I don't know if you actually like me because I'm, I'm worried the other shoe is going to drop. We learned strategies in middle school and high school to keep from being too vulnerable and too hurt. And so insecurities and fear take over. We view all of our relationships through those filters. I just want to say it isn't wrong to want to be an insider. That's not a bad thing. And it's not wrong or sinful to feel like an outsider. There's truth behind both of those feelings, but I want you to know we were made to belong. When God created the world in seven days, and the sixth day He created man, and the first time in all of the creation story that He said it's not good, He said it's not good for man to be alone. Being an outsider is not what we were designed for, but we all are outsiders, all of us. On the deepest, most profound level, we are all outsiders, and that's based on the reality of our fallen nature and our fallen world. This place is broken if you haven't noticed, and so are we. So we rebel against our Creator in a thousand different ways. Most of the time, we don't even realize how big of a deal is, that is or how much it has of an impact on our feelings of being rejectable. 
because inside of us is a longing to belong, and we hope that somewhere we will find that way to belong. Christmas is a big deal because it's about outsiders. It is for outsiders, and it shows God's heart towards outsiders, towards those who are lost, towards those who are hopeless, towards those who are sinking. And so I want to begin today by reading one of the most detailed descriptions of the events surrounding Jesus' birth and and Mary's pregnancy. And we find it in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, you'll probably recognize the verses that I read, but I would love for you to read along. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. We're going to put the words up here and you can read along with us that way. Luke was not one of the apostles. He wrote a gospel, but he was not one of Jesus' 12 apostles. He did travel with the apostle Paul. And what we know about him is that he was a doctor who became a believer. So he was an educated and smart person. And what Luke decided to do as a follower of Jesus was to investigate the story of Jesus. To talk to those who were there and gather the facts and write it down so that we could know today and the people of his time could know what happened in Jesus' life. And so a lot of times when we read Luke, we find details that seem unimportant to us, and we'll see that right at the beginning of what I read here. It's like, whatever, we don't really care about that. But that detail is because Luke is investigating the facts surrounding Jesus' birth at birth and writing them down. And so as a fact finder and a history recorder, we see some of these things. So let me read to you Luke chapter 1. We'll start at ver- or Luke chapter 2. We'll start at verse 1, and we'll go all the way down to verse 20 the story of the birth of Jesus. It says this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning all that had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What a wonderful story. And so familiar and yet so powerful. Today, a Savior has been born to you. Go tell this news. Go share it. 
But did you notice who was involved? Did you notice the outsiders that God brought into the story? This story is full of outsiders. They are the main characters of the story. We start at the beginning. We see that Joseph and Mary required to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem because some big important person decided this was the time that they should go. It wasn't convenient for them. It wasn't by their choice. It was something that was imposed on them. One of the things that can very much make us feel like outsiders is when we have no control over our life. Outsiders often feel like they have little control over their lives. And so here we find the beginning of the story that we hold so precious and that is the cause for all of this celebration and, and, and little nativity scenes that we put on our, you know, on our mantles and, and all of the, the Christmas specials that we see is a couple people for whom this trip was not something they wanted. It was not something they chose. It was something they had to do. Joseph, with a very pregnant Mary, making a 90-mile journey. Now, for you and I, a 90-mile-an-hour journey takes us somewhere between, you know, a couple hours to maybe, I don't know, an hour for some of you, right? You're speeding along. For them, this was difficult. This was not jump in your car and go. 90 miles, a very difficult journey. They probably were only about to, about, able to make it about 10 miles per day. That's a, that's a long journey. They're sleeping outside overnight over rough terrain. And each day, they're face to face with the fact that they did not choose to take this trip. That someone told them they had to make this trip. If it were in the winter, which many people believe that it was, it probably would have been in a very rainy season. So can you imagine walking up and down treacherous terrain with a pregnant wife, 10 miles a day for 10 days, 9 days, 10 days, whatever, they took a rest or whatever, in the rain, in the pouring rain. Are you loving your life? And the high temperatures probably averaged around 30 degrees during the day, much lower temperatures at night. Can you imagine these conditions? Can you imagine the feelings and the experiences? What would you have thought? What would you have wished? What would your conversation have been? Merry Christmas! <laughs> In addition, this route was prone to wild animal attacks from bears and lions and wild boars, just in case it wasn't difficult enough. And most people who made this journey grabbed a couple other people for the journey. They, they, people they didn't even know, they would say, okay, you're going that way, we're going with you. Because there were robbers and ambushes set along the trail to steal from those who were on this journey. Not exactly the Christmas story we think of. And I wonder for you, when life feels like you have no control on it, when life forces you on a journey that you don't want, you feel like an outsider. What do you do with that? Do you feel like no one understands and no one gets it how hard it is for you, how overwhelming it is for you, how rough it is for you? You look out at other people who seem to have a normal life and you're like, I could enjoy my life if it were like that. But it's not like that. It's like this and I wish it were somehow like that. Maybe your sense of being an outsider is from this spot. Your life won't seem to let you have peace or joy or hope because it's out of your control. 
Inside, you think others, those normal people, are able to have peace or joy or hope, but you have this ache that just never seems to feel like you can fulfill it because you can't seem to bring your life into control. The Christmas story begins with outsiders, Mary and Joseph. And that theme, honestly, continues throughout the life of Jesus, throughout all the Gospels. Let me just talk to you for a second about that. Because Jesus in His ministry, over and over, goes towards those and helps those who have no control over their lives. Outsiders that no one else wanted to be near. In, the, in John chapter 8, there's a story of a woman caught in adultery brought before Jesus. And the religious leaders are ready to put her death according to the law. There is a very clear division. The insiders are the ones holding the stones, saying to Jesus, this woman needs to die. And the outsider is the one on trial who has no voice in the trial. It's very clear who are the insiders and who is the outsiders. That story ends with probably every person involved feeling like Jesus was on the woman's side. Jesus took the outsider's side. There's a story in Matthew and Luke about a man with leprosy coming to Jesus. Leprosy was a disease that made you the ultimate outsider. He didn't choose the disease, it just defined his life. Nothing he could do about it. He couldn't live in any city, he couldn't live in any town, he couldn't live in any community. He stayed far away from people and he was required to warn people not to come close to him for fear that they would get what he has. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Feeling like an outsider, are we? But when he comes to Jesus, he comes to Jesus and asks Jesus to heal him. But the thing that Jesus does, and if you're just reading along, you don't get this, but the Bible says that when Jesus saw him and when he said, Jesus, heal me, Jesus touched him. The untouchable was touched. And that is not a mistake that that was recorded because that was an astounding thing for Jesus to do. Jesus came to touch outsiders, the ones no one else wanted to touch, the ones who were too dangerous, the ones who were too far gone, too far away, that would have too big of an impact on my life to be near. Jesus came for them. So if you're here or you're listening to this, and your life seems out of your control, I want you to embrace this. Christmas from the start was about outsiders being included. Outsiders mattering. Outsiders finding life and hope in the child that was born at Christmas. And Christians, I wonder if you've ever thought of Christmas as a challenge to how do I deal with outsiders. We like to be insiders we're so concerned about whether I stand in or out that I sometimes don't have the capacity to look out and say, who's on the outside and needs to be invited in? Christmas, make no mistakes about it, is a challenge to those who follow Jesus to have a heart like God does for outsiders. The other part about the outsider here is that outsiders often feel like there's no room for them. The next part of the story, Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem. After a long journey... And a rough journey, they, are, they get to the place where Joseph's required to be in Bethlehem, but they can't find a place to stay. Not with relatives, not with businesses, not anywhere. So they wind up camping out in a stable with animals. There's no place for them in. 
Many of us feel like this year has been a crazy year. Anybody feel like that? Just a little bit. Things, and when you, when you rewind, if you rewind a year from, from right now, back a year, things we couldn't imagine this time last year, things we wouldn't have believed this time last year, have become reality, a daily reality for us. As the year goes on, it seems like you can just feel like it goes from bad to worse. I think that might be a similar feeling to being forced to walk 90 miles with a pregnant woman on rough terrain only to wind up when you get there with no place to stay. If you feel like things are going from bad to worse, if you feel like there's no room in this world for you, Christmas is your story. If you feel like your life is spiraling downward, notice that's the Christmas story. If you found yourself saying, how can this be my life? And not in a good way. The Christmas story reflects that experience. Being an outsider can feel like your story always goes from bad to worse. But literally also it is feeling like there is no room for you. People don't want you. People don't need you. People don't like you. You never are included. Today, Christmas is a well-decorated and put-together holiday. Picture-perfect, warm memories, great songs. Get the right present. Have the right people. But it started with a few people that couldn't find anywhere to go. It started with outsiders. And that is really amazing when you understand what the story is about. Because the story is about the God of the universe becoming a man. You would think for the God of the universe to become a man, there would be some kind of pomp and circumstance and ceremony and some kind of celebration that measures up that people would recognize the coming of this great king. But instead, this king, God himself, is born without any room. He is born as an outsider for outsiders. And in that detail, Christmas invites outsiders to know Christmas is about inviting you in. Christmas is about you can be a part. There's one more group in the story we just read that that really is a focus of it. It's these shepherds. The shepherds are out on a hillside. And it was, you know, we like to dress our kids up as shepherds and they get their hooks and everything. Like, they're all cute and everything. But shepherds were not a cute group of people. They were smelly, dirty. And the truth is, in first century Israel, they were not respected at all. As you can imagine, the job of staying up with farm animals all night was not the most desirable job. And yet these guys, that was their job. They were dismissed by Jewish society as the lowest level of class. They were thought to be sinful, dirty, unreliable people, so much so that they were not allowed to give testimony in a court case. Shepherds were so unreliable, they were thought of as these these strange, twisted people that we won't take their testimony in court. Interesting that God makes them the first people to give testimony about the birth of His Son. They were not able to be regulars at the required religious functions, and so they were thought of as people who were godless and far from God. Interesting that God makes a point that they are the first ones to hear the news. And they are the first ones to share that news. And that was not a mistake. 
God, God's angels were not driving around that night like, we can't find anybody, God. We'd like to tell somebody. He's like, find somebody. No, it wasn't like that. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know if you realize this, Jesus did not have to be born at night. He didn't. He could have been born whenever. He could have been born wherever. God was completely in charge of it. He was born at night when no one else was up, and God sent his angels to people who were outsiders, people that others thought very little of, people that others wouldn't listen to. Is this anybody? The story of Christmas is a story of outsiders, that God has a heart for those that the world pushes aside. This choice is so meaningful. These were people God saw and God included. So what I'm saying is this. In the Word of God and being a child of God, outsiders are a huge focus of God's work throughout Scripture. It's not just the Christmas story, although it's hard to look past what we just saw there. But think about Jesus' disciples. A religious leader in Israel gathering men to follow him religiously, would not choose fishermen. What? Would not choose a tax collector. Are you kidding me? That's like shepherds and then tax collectors down here. These people betray our country. How do you include a tax collector? It even included Judas, Jesus' betrayer picked by Jesus to be a part of this group. If that's never challenged you, you haven't really thought about it. Did Jesus make a mistake? Did he not know? Why in the world would he choose Judas? God has a heart for the outsider. God has a heart for the outsider. People of God, God has a heart for the outsider. For the broken, for the lost, for the wilting, for the withering, for those in despair, for those in darkness, for those who have been wounded beyond anything they could describe, for those who feel like life is crushing them. God has a heart for the outsider. Do we? As we make our plans, as we go through the year, as we look at what we're going to do and what we're not going to do, where we're going to spend our time and, and how we're going to direct our energies, do we have a heart for the outsider? If you're an outsider today, the Lord wrote the Christmas story with you in mind because He wanted you to know you're invited in. Jesus told a parable in the Gospels about how Father creates a wedding and and invites all the undesirables to the wedding feast. And I don't, I don't know how much Christianity has really lived that out. All the undesirables. What happens if an undesirable shows up in our church? What happens if an undesirable shows up in your neighborhood? What happens if an undesirable shows up in your path as you're going through life? Do you have a heart? Like your Heavenly Father has a heart for the outsiders? Is Christmas somehow twisted into an excuse to exclude those that Christmas written to welcome in? If you're a child of God, He captures the de these details in this story and many others to tell us what our focus should be, what our heart should be. It's not about being superior. It's not about being right. It's not about being the one in the position to help. It's about loving people and looking for a chance to be with them in their hurt. Please don't miss how God's love gets shown 
as we deliberately invite outsiders in. So this Christmas season, you might think you're too weird, you're too lonely, you're too disconnected, you're too far gone. You can think all kinds of things about yourself. You may think your life is too messed up, too broken, too full of hurt. Or maybe you think there's someone in your life that fits that category. But I hope that you can see, not in spite of those things, but especially because of those things, God invites you in to Christmas. God invites you in to life and hope and healing and peace and strength and joy. God invites you in because you're an outsider. A story about outsiders being invited into the most important story in history. And not just as spectators, but as key players, tells us everything that you need to know about God's offer for you. God wants you. And if you are here today and you still are an outsider with him, he wants you to become an insider. So I would invite you and the Lord would invite you to receive the best, the truest Christmas gift there is. Life through the Savior born at Christmas. Because that child grew up to die in your place so that you could be forgiven and you could be made new. You can do that today. You can do that before you get out of your seat before you stop listening, before anything else in your life happens, you can do it between you and the Lord. He hears the very thoughts of your soul and you can cry out to Him and say, I want that gift of life. I want to be invited in. I want to receive that invitation as an outsider to become an insider. And believers, this is still the reason for the Christmas story. There are many outside the kingdom that God has a heart to invite in. And his plan is the same as the plan has always been. You're looking at it. We are the plan to be the representation of God's heart to a world of outsiders, inviting them in. Ask yourself this day, who could you invite in? How could you be a part of God's work to invite outsiders in? And I think I can say with confidence that the Spirit of God will give you not only opportunity, but will lead you in how to do that if you will open yourself up to allowing God to use you to make this Christmas story not just a historical thing in the past that we put in some dusty shelf or we use as an excuse to celebrate in a big way, but as a pattern for my life, for me to live this out. I pray, people of God, that's exactly what we will do with this Christmas story. Let's close in a word of prayer and be dismissed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That it didn't, you didn't wait for us to figure out even that we were lost before you decided how much it mattered to you that we were. That you didn't wait for us to figure out how to clean ourselves up. You decided that you already needed to make a way for us to be made clean. And so in these moments, Father, as your children, I pray that you would stir in our souls something deep, that you would reconnect us to the Spirit of God who right now inside of us is saying, yes, 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 that's it. That's what this is. That's why this matters. I pray, Father, those soft hearts would say, show me, Father. Lead me. Make me a part of your work. 
to make Christmas for outsiders. Use me in these moments. Use me in these days. Use my words and my life and my opportunities and, and, lead, and instruct and give me what to say and when to say it and who to say it to so that I can invite those who are lost to the hope that's in Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that for any soul that's right here, right now, that's hearing these words, that might be thinking, well, I'm the outsider and I don't know how to come in, that your spirit would show them just right now how to cry out to you and say, Father, save me through Jesus. The Savior that was born this day, I want Him to be my Savior. And you promise that if anyone calls to you, you will save them. You will rescue them. You will heal them. You will bring them from death to life. And Father, we know that promise is true because it's happened in our lives. And so I pray, Father, you would accomplish your work of saving grace in the lives of all who are far from you or, or outsiders with you right now that you would bring them in in this moment through the child that was born on Christmas Day. And so, Father, as we celebrate Christmas season, I pray that we would enjoy it thoroughly, that it would be a time of, of healing and warmth and joy, that it would be a, a wonderful, incredible opportunity for us as your children to make big the name of Jesus. But, Father, I pray that we would use it on mission as well, and that you would use us for this cause. So we give these things to you. We put these things in your hands. We put ourselves in your hands. Use us, we pray. For it's in the name of Jesus we ask it. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody.